Okay. All right, everyone. Uh, welcome. So, uh, I think we need to. So which one are we looking at? Yeah, this one. So, okay. Uh, just just mute that. Yeah. So welcome. Uh, for episode nine, I'm extremely delighted to have one of the most recognizable persons in Singapore, Professor Paul Tambaya. He's a world-renowned epidemiologist. And of course, more importantly for today's session, he's the chairman of, I would, I would say still the second most important opposition party in Singapore, uh, Singap the Singapore Democratic Party, SDP. And Professor Paul, uh, welcome to, I know, I know you love uh, Bukit Panjang, but welcome to the best side of Singapore. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I, yes. I have to tell you, I'm late because I got lost. <laughs> And that's what happens when, when people in the west and center travel to the east. Yes. I always get lost. Yes, <laughs> and and, and Gerald had to come and rescue me. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you can feel, right, the air is fresher in the east. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright, so uh, let's get to it. So the first question I have, this is the first time actually uh, that I'm hosting someone who has been pothmarked before. Okay. <laughs> In Singapore. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience of being Poffman and how do you feel about it? Yeah, well, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, the SDP had a POFMA against it uh, and this was related to the manpower statistics. Then after that, during the elections, we had another POFMA uh, and that was related to the 10 million population. But the statement that I made during the interview with uh, uh, PJ Tham and also with, uh, for the online citizen and at the NUSS event, uh, we didn't get POFMA for that. Uh, and this is the weird thing about POFMA, is that um, the people who published it, and in fact, that's the first time I think that one of the mainstream media outlets, uh, CNA Online, got POFMA, mm. uh, and so did TOC, and so did New Narrative. But uh, SDP didn't get POFMA because we never published it. So it, it's, it's a really weird law. And, and in fact, to be honest, uh, I think most of us who have been POFMA view it as a badge of honor. <laughs> you know, it suggests that the, the ruling party takes you seriously as somebody who's of influence. And, and also it tells me that they, um, they can't really find any arguments uh, to argue against you. So they're forced to resort to POFMA. Um, you know, when, when POFMA first came out, we were told that it was supposed to combat dangerous uh, extremist statements that had to be rapidly shut down, otherwise there would be religious and racial riots. But in our experience, you know, it's been used um, uh, long after the event. Uh, they, they talked about uh, the first time the SDP got pothmarked was um, when we did a report about population policy and they were talking about the manpower statistics uh, and, and frankly you know it took a really long time for them to do it uh, but I can't go into the details because this is actually under the court of appeal we've done our, our application there so hopefully we'll get a favorable judgment from the court and um, you know that will be the end of that and maybe they'll stop using pothma right. okay. so I know you said uh, pothma uh, it's sort of a badge of honor, but I don't want that badge of honor. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, hopefully no. we don't get that. We don't get honored. <laughs> I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> so, no, in principle, I yeah. agree with you, and I don't know if you know. I was one of the signatories to, uh, uh, uh for the letter to the Minister of Education on right. both mind academics, uh, voicing out our concerns. Right. However, if I were to play devil's advocate, right, as as a medical doctor yourself and right. going through the early days of the pandemic right. there was a lot of misinformation that was right. spreading wouldn't you think that POFMA was a good tool to have on for the government during the, the, uh, the no I don't think so and in fact the reality is a lot of the misinformation came from the authorities 
uh, and it was because of incomplete information. So the WHO initially they said there's no person-to-person -person transmission. Now we've got how many uh, tens of millions of people infected. So it was because of incomplete information and because they depended on the information that came out of the authorities in Wuhan. So this is a point that some academics have pointed out, is that you know, just because you're an authority doesn't mean you're immune from making a false statement see, right. or a statement which subsequently turns out to be untrue. Right. It's like the but it's not a false statement. It, was, it is a false statement. It was that based no on incomplete information. Yeah, but they could have said, this is what the Chinese government says, we don't really believe them. Mm. Or, or you know, this is the evidence for that. Uh, and so, um, you know, what happens in science, as you know, and even in social science, you, you, you present a theory of a hypothesis and somebody does, uh, tries to reproduce your experiment and either you're validated or you're debunked. Right. Okay? <laughs> and, and I mean, that's, that, that's what academics do. So in a way, uh, that's what happened. See, WHO said initially, uh, according to the Chinese authorities, they didn't actually say according to the Chinese authorities, they said there's no person-to-person -person transmission in the first week or so of the, the reports of the virus, and subsequently that turned out to be untrue. Right. And so, um, so that was, uh, um, and, and you know, nobody had to pop my anybody. Right. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? Right. They, they made their case, the, the scientists from other parts of the world said we don't really believe that. Uh, even from within China, there were scientists who said maybe that's not accurate. Uh, and eventually, the truth came out. So, you know. Right. Okay. Okay. So hopefully, we didn't stray into Pofma territory just now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's get to the yeah. to the crux of today's discussion, right? So, you know, in first past the post and plurality systems, our right. party blog or GRC system, right? Both the candidate and the party matters. Sure. And I think as far as candidate credibility goes, I mean, you're right up there, right? With mm -hmm. any any one of the opposition candidates from any party, right? So do you think if you were from a different party, uh, not the SDP, you would have won and you would be a member of parliament, at the very least, uh, an NCMP? No, I don't think so. I think that, to be honest, if I was not from the SDP, I don't think I would have got 45% or 46% of the vote. Because frankly, the SDP has a machinery, you know, I mean, it's just incredible. In nine days, uh, they managed to put together two or was it three uh, APAs with the live, uh, um, you know, audience. They had uh, crowd control, they had a very sophisticated setup. And, um, you know, I was surprised that we actually did as, as well as we did. Bear in mind that, you know, I had been walking the ground in Holland Bukitima. So Bukit Panjang, although some of Bukit Panjang is in Holland Bukitima, I was relatively new to, to a lot of the people there. So for many of them, it's the first time they're seeing me. To, to be able to, to achieve that kind of number, I mean, it's, uh, in a crisis uh, uh, election with no rallies, um, I think a lot of that is due to the, the SDP. Okay, but, but do you really think if you were in the WP, you would not have been a member of parliament? I, I think so. And really? Yeah, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, you know, part of the reason is that uh, the SDP is, is unique in its, in its uh, branding, in its values, in its style. And I think it suits uh, it suits me, see, because these are the kind of things that uh, that are important to me, you know, civil liberties. Uh, you know that uh, I cut my teeth in uh, in Marwa. You know, Brema is the person who introduced me to civil society in Singapore, uh, and it was a really good introduction. See, so human rights is front and center. Uh, that's how I got in. In fact, my wife says I'm more of an activist than a politician. Wow. And, and and so you know, where do the activists in Singapore hang out? With <laughs> SDP, you see. So, so I think, you know, frankly, uh, I mean, Jolivan is one of our members. You know, uh, we were the first people to come out with a statement in support of Solang, and you know, after the by-election when they went after her for this uh, cooling off day. So, um, um, you know, Sugi is our assistant treasurer. 
uh, I was at an SDP retreat and one by one people started introducing themselves so I'm so and so and uh, I was a cellmate of so and so during the 1987 Marxist conspiracy so so I think um, I, I think that's why you know, uh, SDP is, is sort of uh, I, I felt comfortable I feel comfortable within the SDP because there are people who share my values and uh, there are people who are uh, uh, much more passionate than I am and, and have been through a lot more than I have so, so I think you know if I was in any other party, you know, a, a CV only goes so far. You know? uh, and, and we have people with very strong CVs uh, who who are candidates. Granted, this was a pandemic election, and pandemics are what I I, I do for a living. You know? <laughs> but but still, there's no uh, uh, there's no reason why you know I I think I would have been uh, that great with any other party. Okay, so. If, if I heard you correctly, and I'm paraphrasing, sure. uh, so if a leader of the opposition, Pritam, calls you to join WP, you will, it'll be an emphatic no. Well, he actually did that, <laughs> to be honest. <coughs> not, not recently, he did it a few years ago. He invited me to... Is this to the first time this information is coming out? Or? Uh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry for oh, so that. Yeah. Yeah. This, this was a few years ago. Uh, he, oh, right. he invited okay. me to have uh, um, prawn noodles in some famous prawn noodle place in Katong. So again, you know, to me, everything in the east is the same. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I have to that's unfair. I know. What to do? I'm a, I'm a westerner. Okay, so so uh, uh, so it was a famous place. It was very good prawn noodles. Uh, and you know he was uh, he was talking to me about um, what he was doing and, and and this was not long after he took over as uh, secretary general. Then at the end, my wife came and joined us, and um, uh, as we were about to leave, he said, "You know, I I think I would be remiss if uh, I think these are his exact words uh, if I didn't ask you whether you had ever thought of joining the WP." Then I said, "No," and he said, "I thought so." Oh, okay. <laughs> so so you know it was kind of. I guess he was supposed to do that, so he so he did that, you know, right. being the, the the loyal leader of the opposition that right. he is. So this this was when after you had joined SDP, right? Yeah, this yeah. was after yeah. I ran in uh, twenty fifteen. Right. He became oh, so this was after twenty after twenty fifteen. Right. Uh, soon after he became secretary, and I know I dropped him a congratulatory note. Then he said, "How would you like to have some prawn meat?" So okay. I said, "Okay, fine." Right, right, uh, okay. We have pretty good prawn meat in the West, though. I'm gonna tell you that. <laughs> well, that that part of the answer is a bit doubtful. The last <laughs> So, okay. so you said, before we get to the next question, you said uh, the unique ideologies of the SDP, right? So right. do you think now that the SDP has proven, uh, sorry, the WP has proven that it can win six, it's won 10 seats in this right. election. Uh, so does that mean that the WP ideology is actually what Singaporeans want and the SDP ideology has been, well, the SDP just uh, is a bit more left and it's a right. bit clearer... Uh, and more distinct ideologically from the PAP, whereas WP is quite similar to the uh, PAP in terms you of. You sound like Vivian. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to WP uh, uh, MPs and yeah. uh, members, but I I think that's that's not an unfair statement. As in, it's, WP is more similar to the PAP than SDP is. I don't know if you watch the parliament session that occurred, you know, and it's it's really sad that we still can't live stream it. But looking at the speeches, they are pretty different from the uh, oh, they, AP. They are. I, yeah, they are. It's just that you are more different. Is that fair? Well, you know, I mean, it's all different shades of... Uh, of, of different. Of, of different shades <laughs> of different, yeah. Right. So, so do, would you say that uh, the SDP ideology is the one that has been rejected by... No, I don't think so. And I think, you know, times change, you see. Uh, uh, in the 1950s and 60s, uh, Singapore was very far left. You know, the PAP had to uh, shift to the left. 
um, and, and even within, um, like, this is happening all over the world. You know, before uh, Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, uh, you know, the, the, the Europeans and North Americans were pretty centrist. You know, in the middle, they were like slightly left, slightly right, couldn't really tell the difference. Then with Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, there was this huge neoliberal consensus that came out. Right. See? And, uh, and that has infected the whole world. See? Right. Um, uh, and now, you know, in the last few years, you've had this extreme right wing the, in Brazil, in, uh, in China, in the, in the US, uh, in the UK even with uh, Brexit. See? So, um, so people change and the pendulum kind of swings. And, and I think uh, it's going to be really interesting what's happening in uh, other parts of Asia. You know, in in Thailand, in uh, in Taiwan, India, and India, correct. You know, um, the it, it's very hard to predict. See, the the Congress Party is in a mess in India, but right. um, but you know, uh, the Bihar elections, you've seen parties from the left coming up, and so um, so I think it's um, it's a matter of time. And of course, the big uh, sixty four million dollar question is what's going to happen with uh, BN and PN and PH in uh, right. uh, in Malaysia. Right. So, so you're saying it's a matter of time before more Singaporeans become to the left. left. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think it, yeah, the pendulum right. has already swung so much. You see, from you know when the PAP first came to the power, they were very left. You know, they had uh, what thirty thousand dollar HDB flats, uh, one dollar polyclinic visit. You know, it's very much a, a socialist. They were part of Socialist International. Right. And they were democratic. Yeah, yeah, socialists. Correct, and that's how they started. And then they swung to the right. So it's a matter of time, and you know, uh, you interviewed Cherian uh, just yesterday. You know, he's trying to argue that the PAP themselves can somehow magically uh, swing back to the left. But you know, for those you who are skeptical, well, <laughs> yeah, I am skeptical. You know, um, but I, I'm reading Cherian's book, and it's it's a fabulous book. Mm. I'm three quarters of the way through it, but um, but I do think that you know, until that happens, you know, until the PAP goes back to uh, being a democratic socialist party. There, there's a need, there's a huge gap and, and people in Singapore want uh, political parties who are able to uh, enunciate a vision of uh, you know, uh, democratic socialism, justice, equality, that kind of thing, civil liberties, uh, basic human rights, and stuff that PAP used to talk about. Right, okay. So for those who just joined, so we got a scoop that Prof Tambaya was offered to join the WFA and he rejected. So he's, you're more of an ideologue, I would say? Well, like I said, my wife thinks I'm more of an activist right. than a politician. Okay. So, right. you know, I, 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 I've got certain causes, um, you know, things that I'm interested in, marginalized individuals, uh, migrant workers, uh, um, HIV AIDS. That's actually how I got into activism in mm -hmm. the first place. Brema was the vice president of Action for AIDS. Wow. And so that's how I interacted with her. And then she invited me to, uh, to get involved with the... Um, uh, Marua and, and I was one of the founder members of Marua. Okay, yeah. alright. Okay, so we've talked about the party ideologies. Let's talk about the party personalities. Sure. Right. So, uh, Dr. Chi Soon Juan, right? right? So, he's a polarizing figure in right. uh, in Singapore society. And you know, when I was uh, growing up, and my students don't know my age, so I'll just be vague about this. But there was one particular scene in Singapore politics that that plays in my mind over and over again and he replays you know where Dr. Chi was chasing PM then PM Go Chok Tong right, right, and saying right. Mr. Go come here Mr. Go I want to talk to you where's my 5 billion where's our 5 billion dollars or something along those lines and um, the, so the the question is has Dr. Chi's reputation 
yeah. uh, been irreversibly damaged by that incident. Of course, the media was playing it up. Uh, yeah, and and in fact, if you look at the actual footage itself, you see that it was spliced together, and you know that was the days before social media. Sure, where sure. Everything was controlled sure. by uh, you know centrally. The, it was TCS at the time, or SBC, sure. or right. whatever it was called, and, and that was just played over and over again, and without context. And in fact, uh, people who were there, in fact. Uh, uh, this guy, who's not a great uh, fan of Dr. Chi, you know, when he describes the incident, he talks about what happened. This is local young, and it's it's quite different from uh, from the way it was portrayed. But even so, you see, I mean, um, uh, politics is is a situation where you need accountability, and the question there was, you know, what is the basis for the the loan guarantee? And, and granted, there are ways of saying it, and ways of doing it, which may be somewhat different. Uh, but you know that was such a long time ago, Understand, and the fact that people still dredge it up, yeah. right? And, and the, the other interesting thing, my mom talks about it. See, people <laughs> of her generation, when they're eighties, they can remember that. See, but the young people, they right. don't. Right. And I think that's the big difference. You see, right. the line of people, you know, uh, lining up at Bukit Batok MRT station during GE twenty twenty, right. or um, in Boki in GE twenty fifteen. Right. I remember that. I mean, and they, the vast majority of them are under 40, so they never even saw that. Right, so that, they that were in kindergarten at I'm the under 40 point. also, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're an academic, that ages you. <laughs> yeah. so, so you are saying that uh, Dr. Chi is not really, uh, he, he's not a dropback, as in he's, he doesn't bring the party down. No, and I mean, like, you know, we have the, the cohort of people my mom's generation true they have been they've been sort of colored by by the the propaganda and the the portrayal of dr chi at the time but but what is really interesting is during the 2015 uh, uh, general election we went to visit uh, tan cheng bok because he was in the constituency where we were contesting and uh, what you call it this um, um, one of his grassroots people was there and, and Cheng Pok said, you know, my view of you, he was referring to Sunjan, he said, my view of you is an 180 degree U-turn. So, um, and the grassroots leader said the same thing. And I said, what made the difference? And he said, and I don't know whether you remember this, there was actually a televised debate uh, in the 2015 election and Lawrence Wong uh, was reading out a series of accusations against Dr. Chi. And it was interesting because uh, Lawrence Wong didn't make eye contact with him and it looked like he was asked to read out these, uh, these accusations. And then Dr. Chi turned around and gave him a very polite and very civil response. So the grassroots leader said to me, he said, you know, he said, when Lawrence Wong read out those things, I half expected Dr. Chi to take the chair and bang it on his head, see, because I've been told that Dr. Chi is right. a psychopath, you see, and that's what I've been in- inculcated to believe in. But when he turned around and answered him in a, in a civilized manner, I was shocked. So then I started to ask myself, you know, is it true all the stuff that I've been told? And I think that's what Singaporeans need to do. And this is the the benefit of social media is so you get a chance to interact with people either in real life or through you know the online persona and you see them being asked questions and you see how they behave uh, and then you see for yourself you know you can make a judgment for yourself rather than depending on the filter that uh, mediacorp or, or sph uh, puts on the news or the personalities so so yeah i know you know people in the 80s yeah they have this view of uh, of dr chi but but frankly i don't think the young people who have actually met him in person or, or who have interacted with him online and you know he, he answers uh, emails uh, he's got people to help him like, but a lot of the time he will the difficult ones he'll answer himself and, and I just remember he did a really good reply just recently about the minimum wage mm. right okay so you 
again I'm paraphrasing right sure. so what what you're saying is SDP is not ready for a non-Chinese leader <laughs> that is I'm going to pop my you on that one for sure <laughs> or SDP doesn't need a non-Chinese leader yeah, no. I mean I think that's that's ridiculous <laughs> SDP's chairman okay I, I took over as chairman from Wong Suk Yi we have not had a Chinese male chairman for a very long time you know right right yeah. I'm saying for the second we had, we, had, yeah. we had Wong Suk Yi and then before that we had uh, Jeffrey George and then we had Jufri Mahmood and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so so the the leadership of SDP has always been uh, Singaporean as yeah, such. yeah, 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 yeah. As, as, uh, you know it looks like Singapore that's the whole point you look at our CEC it, it actually we could do with a few more women I just wanted to say you could do it a few more women but yeah. I guess all the parties could right? yeah, all the parties could yeah. Yeah. so uh, so you mentioned uh, Dr. Tan Chek thanks for that answer uh, yeah. but I just want to say ultimately we can't really blame people for they can only judge by what they see right? they cannot judge by yeah what so if you are 80 years old you don't use the internet yeah. right enough you see but right. you know most people in their 50s they like uh the WhatsApp, you see, 50, 60 year olds, they may not be on Facebook or Instagram, but they are, they are using WhatsApp. And, and frankly, during the last GE, lots of uh, uh, Sundran's videos were going around on WhatsApp. My father-in-law, you know, uh, some of his uh, friends were sharing uh, WhatsApps. Uh, um, this guy, the cultural medallion winner, uh, Yang Kui Nyong, um, he did a, a video about Sun Chuan and that really did the rounds in the, the Chinese educated population and so there was uh, so when people get to see for themselves you know that I think they'll make up their mind so they, he, you think he can stay on for one more election at least well I think you know he'll stay on as long as he's needed <laughs> to stay on and, and the fact that the PAP is still so scared of him is quite uh, uh, do you really think they are I, I think they are I mean uh, uh, Go Chok Tong in his book uh, Tall Order he talks about how uh, Lee Kuan Yew himself said that without the GRC, uh, Tio Chihen has got, uh, may not win against uh, uh, Sun Juan. So, and Tio Chihen is the, was the DPM, you know? Mm. So the fact that... Uh, uh, well, at that time he wasn't, was, right? Yeah, uh, no, he wasn't, he but he rapidly became the DPM. Right, right, yeah. So he's somebody who, I mean, LKY obviously thought had the caliber to become a DPM. And then he thought that, you know, uh, CSJ could defeat him. So, um, so that clearly... Uh, shows that they're they're scared of him la. So, right. so I guess okay. uh, I mean it's good to to keep them on their toes. Okay, so uh, uh, moving on, you mentioned uh, Dr. Tan Cheng Bok just yeah. now. So we have the PSP around in the yeah. West, yes, and growing from strength to strength. Yeah. Apparently, uh, yeah. do you think we still need SDP? Why not WP in the East and PSP in the West? And it solves a lot of uh, problems for people. And people always say the opposition is divided. So how would you respond? To yeah, that? I mean, you know, again, apart from the the food in the West, which I'm not going to get into, <laughs> yeah, the, the the fact is that you know we work very closely with the PSP. In fact, uh, uh, Dr. Tan came and campaigned for for me. I, I was quite surprised in uh, Bukit Panjang. Uh, the day before cooling off day, he showed up in the at the hawker center, and, and he uh, he came and uh, shook hands with people there, and he introduced himself as uh, as a friend of mine. He knew my he knew my father, and so so we have uh, very good. And I tried to repay the favor by buying a seat at their fundraising dinner, and they were very very nice and sweet to me. So so there's been uh, a good cooperation between uh, PSP and uh, SDP. And frankly, you know, Singapore is a small place, but there's plenty of opportunity for, for different political parties. And, and ultimately, it's like scientific um, data, I see. Uh, some, some things will win out and some, peop- some things will not. And, and we are a very diverse uh, population. So it's very likely that certain people, you know, will want to, um, to support the, P- uh, the SDP. Some of them will support the PSP. 
and, and we have to give people a choice. Look, I would say uh, just uh, my opinion. Sure. Uh, I think uh, why I started off by saying that the SDP, I think, is still the second strongest party is that I think the SDP's machinery is is a bit more developed than the PSP, and at the moment the PSP is is pretty much a Dr. Tan Chengbok party, and their the PSP uh, and their survival really depends on how uh, Hazel and uh, Manoy uh, perform in Parliament. I think. Uh, where is the Actually, I, I'll correct you a little sure, bit sure, on that. Sure. In that, um, I went for the, I think it was the anniversary or the launch, this event at the Banheng in uh, Harbour Front, and I was sitting with, uh, I can't remember who it was, I think maybe Gerald, uh, uh, and I said to them, my goodness, this event looks like a PA event. Mm. And not only does it look like a PA event, it looks like a well-organised PA mm. event. You know, I've been to PA events, some of which uh, fall flat and some of which are well-organised. So, and he said, of course, it's the same people who right, run right, PA right, events. Right, 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 right. So, so they do have a, a pretty impressive machinery. And I think this is actually um, an interesting um, comment is that, you know, the, part of the reason why people feel that the PAP has alienated some of the population is because people are parachuted into the party. And then the, the so-called grassroots or people who have been working the ground sometimes are, are viewed as being sidelined. And again, I don't know how true that is, but that is the perception that I hear. Um, so what the PSP has done is they have pulled out a lot of these people who, who used to work the ground you know, for the PAP in those days. So they know the, the nuts and bolts, they know how to run an event, they know how to you know, do a, a, uh, identify the needy families, channel them to the CDCs and the social service organizations and, and all this kind of uh, uh, bread and butter politics in Singapore. Okay, so uh, so we'll see we'll see yeah. how PSP performs in uh, in the next election. And interesting uh, to see whether Dr. Tan will contest in the next presidential election and whether he'll still be around in PSP. So many unknowns. Sure. So the next one is you you talk uh, can I say lovingly about Pritam just now? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hello. Bring <laughs> so, <laughs> So you talk uh, uh, kindly about yeah. about Britam. So yeah. would a coalition with uh, WP be possible or necessary? Well, I think you know. Of course, we we ultimately hope that the SDP is going to win. Uh, you know, fifty one percent of the seats in Parliament, but that's going to take a really long time. Okay, I think things will have to change in Singapore. Things will have to change in the rest of the world. Um, but uh, um, you know, we can never say never. Uh, a lot of things, uh, things that people never expected, they they occur. See. And so uh, everywhere, uh, uh, all over the world, see? and and I think um, uh, it just we we have we have to be open to to all the possibilities, Ooh. whatever they are. <laughs> wow! I had an invitation. <laughs> yeah, you can join us. <laughs> For example, <laughs> I had a different invitation. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah, okay. you know, I got into trouble in 2015 for, for suggesting that a certain uh, DPM might want to quit the party and join us <laughs> and lead an opposition coalition. I was just making a joke and right. my goodness, uh, I got hit by a ton of bricks. <laughs> it was just All incredible. Right. Yeah. All right, okay. The poor guy, you know, he used to reply to my emails and then he stopped. <laughs> but then uh, during the by-election, he came and shook my hand. So uh, oh, the yeah. Bukit Bata by-election, that was in the news quite a bit. Right, and right. we talked about doing a fair fight. So... Right. Uh, so yes, there is an invitation there right. <laughs> to you and to uh, our friend, <laughs> the future okay. IMF director. So yeah. I think there will be more prawn noodles in Kato <laughs> between yeah. Prof and yeah. uh, LO. So 
the final question I have, then maybe we can ask some of the audience sure. questions. So, uh, in an SMC, did right. your ethnicity disadvantage you? You think? Do you think if you were Chinese, it would push you just over the line, just give you the the few thousand votes you need? Oh no, I don't think so. I mean, you look at it. Uh, who did the best in the PAP? The Jurong GRC, right, led by uh, Thaman. Uh, you look even in Bukit Batok, uh, the guy who's a, f- a full-time senior counsel managed to, uh, to to eke out a victory uh, despite all of the efforts that we put into it. Um, the WP team in Aljunian has got three non-Chinese, only one Chinese male in their team. Um, and you've got people like Kumaran Pillay, you've got uh, Jose Raymond, you know, all of them have done really well. I think Singaporeans have uh, gone beyond race. There's only one political party God, that, seems to have, that seems to have a problem with it. God beyond race meaning what? What do you mean? No, so they, look at, they look at the individual, they look at the party, you know. Um, uh, I mean, Jose Raymond has been working the ground in... Uh, in he Kosong came Kassan. on before and oh, it, was, it was yeah. wild. Yeah, like yeah. He's just a yeah, colourful yeah. character. Well, he's, a, he's a media guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. So he, knows he was interviewing me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, so he knows how to play this game. <laughs> but uh, he's been working the ground. In fact, uh, um, I think it was uh, Adrian Kwa from uh, uh, oh, LKYSPP right, right. Right, right. who made the comment that he's actually uh, becoming the de facto MP of uh, Potong right, Pasir. Right, right. And he said um, he's providing social services and he comes, he's going to reach the point where Jose Raymond is going to start charging taxes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... Uh, if I could push you a little on that, right? Sure. You, we know that from our uh, lived realities, right? right? That, I mean, people have not gotten beyond race, right? We know that we, we hear, you know, some racial, sometimes racist comments, and yeah. even just a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, waiting for a lift uh, at one of the buildings in Tempinis, and there were two uh, Indian workers inside, yeah. and nobody wanted to come in. Right. So I don't know whether it's because foreign workers and because of no, like that's COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know whether it's yeah. because of that, whether yeah. it's because of race. But but they went into the lift with you, right? I know. So I went in with yeah. with the two of them and right. the others. So yeah. So uh, I don't know uh, if that is really the case. Whether we have really moved beyond race, uh, and if we have not moved beyond race as a society, right? Then surely the the PAP's uh, justification has some validity in terms of. If racism still exists in daily life, then it is possible that it would translate to voting patterns as well. Um, no, I don't think so. And, and the analogy I'm going to use is the, is the Chisun Juan al- analogy. You see, because the, the establishment portrays Chisun Juan as a crazy man. You see, in fact, uh, my wife had lunch with him in 2013, I think it was, and uh, around the time of the Bongolese by election. And after lunch, that was the first time she met him. After lunch, we walked away, and the first thing she said to me is, he's a normal person. I said, yes, he's a normal person. But she said, you know, everything I see in the media is that there's this crazy man here. So, so the establishment has, has divided us, you see, through the colonial period. You know, there's the CMIO, sure. there's the sure. SAP schools, there's the rules on, you know, uh, religious headgear for certain religions, not for other religions. There's ethnic quotas in HDB estates, but not in condominiums. There's a quota for president, but there's no quota for uh, Navy or the Air Force. So all of these things are structural things which are put in by the establishment. But in spite of that, the people can look beyond race. So, so what I'm trying to say is like, you know, in spite of all the stuff that the PAP and the mainstream media says about Chi Sun Juan, you have people willing to wait one and a half hours to get him to sign their book. You see? Mm. So, so what the people do is in spite 
of what they are told and what they have been conditioned or what they have been programmed to, to do. And, and this is the great part about Singapore, I see. You know, we have all these rules. We have this reputation for being a, a, a country which is full of rules. But what that does is it creates very clever people who find ways to get around the rules. Mm. So, in fact, I think there, there is a healthy skepticism of the official narrative, which is manifested in lines of people waiting to get Sundran to sign the book, and people who are willing to, to put more faith in Taman than, say, some other uh, PAP minister. So, so I think um, that, you know, this is, this is the thing. See, despite the attempts uh, by those in authority to divide and rule, Singaporeans are, are, are beyond that. See. So, so you have to distinguish, I think, between our official version of society or the way we are constructed, which I agree with you, has not gone beyond race. You know, as long as we have CMIO, we have an I. Every one of us has to carry an identity card which carries a race on it. See, so so that is the official view. But when you talk to individuals, you know, it's different. See, and uh, granted, of course, every society we're not in utopia. You know, there are every every society has people are racist. There is uh, old people who, who tell them, oh, you know, you better tell the kid you better behave yourself, or the Yeah, see, that's very hard to deal with. <laughs> But I cannot see a 20-year-old telling his, or uh, 25-year-old telling his kid that. See, that is something the grandma will tell the kid. You know, and, and it's like the generation of people who thought that Sun Juan was this madman. See, eventually, you know, when these people are exposed to social media or they're exposed to, to the reality or the lived experience uh, that, that people have in a, in a world which is increasingly uh, diverse and, um, you know, it, it's... Uh, uh, frankly, I, I don't see uh, one of these right-wing right-wing characters that we have in Brazil or in China or in uh, right. you know the UK or US taking off over, or even so, in India for that matter. So, so maybe maybe you're right that racist voting doesn't happen. Even if racism does exist, racist right. voting would not affect the elections. What about racial voting? Because it's not necessarily racist to one somebody of your own race, that of your own culture. Like if I said or if a female said, oh I. I'm voting for her because she's female and right. and she may represent my aspirations and right. probably we didn't we wouldn't think much of that, right? right? But when it comes to race, why would it be wrong for an elderly Chinese or right. even a younger Chinese to identify and, and likewise for Malays and Indians with somebody who looks and speaks like them and comes from the same culture? Yeah, you see, uh, I don't know whether you've read some of the comments coming out about Kamala Harris. You see. I have. Yeah, and so there, there are a lot of people who are celebrating the fact that she's, you know, the first black vice president, yes. the first Asian, uh, uh, you know, American vice president. But on the other hand, from the left, you've got people are saying, look, she's the one who was tough on crime. Yes. And she, you know, she, right. she was pretty right-wing in the right. way she, she was San Francisco district attorney. Yeah. Which, is, which are all true, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so, but, you know, again... Uh, the question is, uh, is ah, right. representation versus, right, 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 right. Uh, uh, you know... That is not enough. Yeah, exactly, right, it's right, not right, enough, right. you see, just, right, right. To, just to have a, a face that looks like you, right. they have so, to think like you. So. Right, so people will still be sceptical. Yeah, they will still right. be sceptical. Okay, okay, fine enough. So, uh, so there, there is uh, one question. So it seems like SDP is taking a different approach now. You are going for a more local than a national approach. And uh, this is a risky... Uh, strategy, right? Because uh, in the next election, what if Bukit Panjang and Bukit Batu are no it's longer exist? Yeah. 
Of yeah. course, because of population change, yeah. changes, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> 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 so what what happens if they are no longer around? Yeah, this I, this I seems like a risky strategy on SDP. Yeah, it, it is a risky strategy. But on the other hand, you know, um, I think that uh, the lesson of Sengkang cannot be unlearned. See, right. and the PAP is famous for for learning lessons after the fact. See. So, so they see what happened in Sengkang. They took uh, Punggol East. They took uh, part of Wang Mukio, and they took part of uh, what was it? Uh, there was another. Uh, uh, Pasir is Punggol. Yeah, Pasir. Yeah. yeah, no, Punggol East la, There yeah. was part of, and there were three right. three different constituencies right, right, that came right. together and became uh, Sengkang GRC. Yeah, yeah. And then they lost it. You see, so so they do realize that gerrymandering is a double edged sword. You see that it can it can cut both ways. And you know the logical thing is if Bukit uh, Batok and gets swallowed up in Jurong GRC, you know Jurong GRC is already huge, and you know um, then the question is are they going to be able to persuade Taman to keep keep standing again? See, mm. and you know if he does, he's um, that's gonna that's gonna be a huge, uh, um, you know then it's gonna be even harder and harder for them not to allow him to become prime minister. Yeah. So so it's not so sim- simple as just you know like in the old days when they swallowed up Jujiat. You know, when Juche became very close, it got swallowed up in Marine Parade GRC. So, mm. um, so to swallow up Bukit Batok and to swallow up Bukit Panjang is is not going to be easy because um, there there will be consequences and and you know there's always a possibility that they might lose another GRC. And, and frankly, once the PAP loses the GRC, I, I don't see them winning it back. Right. You know, I, I don't see oh. which minister is going to run in Sengkang. Can you mm. tell me? Can you does it does it need to be a minister? If it's not a minister, then automatically it becomes a second-class GRC. Every other GRC is helmed by a minister. So what if, if it's a retiring minister, yeah, la, that's uh, <laughs> that's that's a minister on the way out. See, <laughs> so I mean, a minister who they are prepared to sacrifice, which I don't think they will. See, so mm. far we haven't seen that without Junet. Right in 2015, there was no minister who uh, who came up. 2020, same thing. See, they they did not want to risk uh, somebody who was. Uh, of the ministerial status, so so I'd be really surprised if they send a minister to Sengkang. <coughs> so well, that's a very bold statement. Once the PAP loses the GRC, they are not going to win it back. Okay, yeah. so uh, I was just wondering, based on uh, what you said, and why why didn't you contest in a GRC? Yeah, so this is actually uh, it's an interesting story, and uh, this is not going to be a scoop for you <laughs> because I think I've told the story yes, before. Yeah, yeah. Is that uh, you know I I was actually prepared to go to Holland Bukitima, <clears throat> but then you know when they called that ele- we we thought they might call the election in February March right uh, soon after the election boundaries review committee and and we thought that was really bad. Uh, and then they called it in in July, and you know no rallies. Uh, um, and it was pretty obvious they could have called the election any time, you know, up to April twenty twenty one. But they cho- they called the election when they thought they were going to wipe out the opposition. So we, I sincerely believe it was going to be two thousand and one all over again. And so, so I'm thinking that you know, in Holland Bukitima, um, <clears throat> it, it's a very hard thing to do without rallies. You have to, you know, uh, uh, there's a there's a huge amount of ground to cover. Uh, and so the suggestion was made by actually one of our CEC members. It wasn't by me. Uh, that you know that we should uh, uh, that I should go to Bukit Panjang, uh, and because I had walked the ground in Senja, which is right next to uh, to Bukit Panjang, I was not opposed to the idea, uh, and so we actually took a boat, and I uh, I abstained from the boat, 
uh, I said, you know, I'm just going to let the CEC oh. decide. Yes, I, I, I told that to media call. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. This guy's head get too big with too many scoops. <laughs> so I stayed for the vote and eventually they decided to, uh, that I should go to, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, Bukit Panjang. And uh, what I did was before actually uh, announcing it, I went with, uh, uh, with Wayin. And, uh, and we walked the ground and I tried to see what kind of uh, response I would get. You know, I know that it's mainly an older uh, population and uh, the demographics. Uh, there are a couple of BTOs in, the, uh, in, in that area, but the majority are, are 30, 40 year old flats. So it's different from Senja and uh, Jalapang and some of the, uh, the, the areas where, where I had walked in the past. It's probably closer to Gimmo in, uh, in terms of Kuala Bukitima, in terms of the demographics. Um, and I was very pleasantly surprised. The response was very, very positive. Uh, and this was uh, the week before nomination day. So, so with that kind of response, of course, I was with Yin who had been walking around there for some time. So, um, so when I got that kind of response, then I, I was more uh, encouraged, and I said, "Yeah, okay, you know, I'll go along with that idea." Right. Okay. So, final substantive question. So, sure. Uh, so you are for abolishing the GRCs, right? Right, definitely. Right. So yeah. uh, I remember there was this debate with yeah. uh, Mr. Jeffrey Mahmoud uh, and yeah, yeah, Cham yeah. Yeah, This was on the GRCs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I show this often in class. Right. Uh, so, uh, and Mr. Jeffrey was saying that one of the ways to guarantee this was a bet, a bet yeah, 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 to yeah. guarantee minority representation. Well, yes, and then the yeah. other one was if the PAP PAP has a prerogative. That's what uh, that's what he used to. Right. To feel a Malay on Indian, then the opposition would feel a Malay on Indian, right? Mm-hmm. So, the SDP had that chance, right? Mm-hmm. When Murali was, uh, Mr. Murali was uh, filled in, and you could have gone to Bukit Batu, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> and you have been an all Indian affair, and you could yeah. have set sort of a precedent uh, in saying, look, uh, we are, are championing the abolition of the justice, and these are the rules we're going to play by. No, I, I mean, I think, you know, I can't remember, I, I know that you've, you've uh, shown that video before right. and other people have shown it, but, um, you know, the reality is, before the GRC came out, there was actually more uh, uh, minority representation uh, in Parliament in Singapore. It's always been the case, you see, and, and this is the thing that even that though... was before the EIP, right? So there were Malay majority areas? Uh, it was before the EIP, but even even despite that, you see, you had uh, constituencies which were... They were never Malay majority. Right. What they were was... You know, this is the bizarre thing. Under the EIP, you have a constituency which is 70% Chinese and 20% Indian and it's considered an Indian enclave. <laughs> you know, it's the only place in the world where 7 out of 10 people in that place are, are, are not of your ethnic group and you're considered an enclave. <laughs> it's all political. See? It's, all, it's all a calculation in terms of uh, the, the mathematical modelling as what it's going to take for the PMP to win. So, so, um, so in spite of the fact that, you know, I think the last Malay majority constituency was in 1960-something. After that, the, the, the Malays never made up more than um, uh, uh, 45% of, of any constituency. But in spite of that, see, you had the PAP, you had the Workers' Party, you had all the parties fielding uh, uh, candidates of different, uh, roughly similar to the, the population with a slight over-representation, actually, of uh, uh, non-Chinese candidates. Right. Okay. So let's end on a conciliatory note. Sure. So, <laughs> so you who, want another scoop? <laughs> <laughs> who is your favorite PAP MP currently? Uh, I think it, that should be obvious, right? <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, his father. His father was an actor. Other than, who, 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 other who, who than, who, who <laughs> <me> about pathology. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so okay, other than uh, uh, the one I got in trouble, <laughs> who I got in trouble for, uh, it would probably be Louis Ng. Um, and oh. in fact, I, I run into him in the food court. I used to run into him in the food court every now and again. He's there with his wife and his kids. And he's somebody who, you know, um, I mean, I think the, the PAP had a catch when they when they caught him because he's somebody who feels about migrant workers, who feels about many of the issues which uh, I'm concerned about. And uh, the, the most recent one, um, which we've actually com- uh, communicated about on Facebook, is this crazy idea of uh, ranking of uh, teachers. You know, I'm sure yeah. you know what it's like. I mean, it's insane. I was at a university ranking and... Um, I, I told the administrator, you know, the students a few years ago, they, they built in one of the canteens an altar to the bell curve god. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they said the university yeah, yeah, believes yeah. in this bell curve, you see. And, and it's not just for the students, it's also for the faculty. They are, they are ranked on a, on a bell curve. So you can only give so many A's, so many B's, so many C's, see. So, um, uh, so Lewis has taken that up, and I, I think that's a good thing. Because, you know, if, if you are ranked on a bell curve, then you do well by stepping on somebody else. You know? mm. Whereas if you're ranked on an absolute ranking, if the whole class is made up of geniuses, everybody gets an A. See? Or, I mean, but it's also limited, right? You still have to distribute them. You still have to distribute them, but you know, there, it's a fine balance. I mean, you've done grading before hundreds and millions of times, but the grade inflation versus you know, trying to set a standard. Right. And, and sometimes you get a class where, where it's just so much better than last year's class. And then you're stuck. You still have to give only a certain percentage of A's, a certain right. percentage of B's, a certain percentage of C's. And you think, good grief, this guy who got a C this year compared to last year's B, you know, mm. it's like night and day, see? Right. So, right. but because we're stuck in this, um, uh, what do they call it, this, the, the ranking system. Uh, and so I'm glad Louis has, has taken right. it up and hopefully, you know, we'll get some response from... So uh, Louis was on uh, a few episodes ago as well. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, that is such a safe answer, right? Everybody, every opposition or like activist Louis. would say Louis Ng is their favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so, so who is your favorite political office holder uh, other than? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are stretching it. This is, I've already got Taman, I've got Louis. Well, <laughs> SN Taman will be everybody's favorite. <laughs> so, other than SN Taman and Louis, final one and then we'll end. Yeah. Now, that one I really, really got to think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean nothing I against. We were nothing against the uh, I remember the IPS uh, session. You you actually started your question, and that was the first and only right. time I met you before this. Right. And you started the question by praising uh, Minister Chan Jun Singh. I can't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to, uh, to be honest, okay, um, uh, you know, Minister Chan Jun Singh, he organizes these uh, feedback sessions in Buena right. Vista. And I used to be on the mailing list for them. And, and, and so I went for a few of them. And, and they are quite uh, interesting because, um, you know, he, he runs them. I, I would imagine the way he runs his uh, uh, commander's meetings in the, in the military. See, <laughs> So he gets people to talk and people talk quite freely. And yeah. then after that, he, he writes some things on a whiteboard yeah. and then he gives a lecture, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which, is, which is what a general does, right. I guess. Um, and, and, you know, he was, he was quite friendly about that. But uh, um, you know, I think he's still constrained by the the system, and he's not willing to uh, to break out. And I don't see why he should, because you know, the he he, he has been part of the establishment, and um, these these sessions that he does in the Buena Vista CC, they're, they're nice, they're fun, but they're they're just uh, I think peripheral to the. Uh, I don't see them really making a huge uh, difference in in the way he's involved in policy and formulation. He's a good guy. I mean, as a person. Um, I was in. Uh, uh, He's very sharp as well. Right? That, he uh, is sharp. People don't don't really see that side of him. No, I think that's uh, that's the, the, the his skill. Is he he portrays himself as a 
uh, as you know, this uh, man in the street kind of upbeat uh, kind of character. But in in reality, he's a scholar. He's a, you know he's he's very sharp. Um, I was in third division when he was the commander of ninth division during my my reservice, oh. and and we were fully aware of uh, you know how sharp he he was and 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 how he um, you know his his strategic uh, thinking. And so so no question about that. Professor Paul, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. And hopefully, Dr. Chi will come on. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.